Revelation chapter 21, take your Bible this morning and, and join me in Revelation 21. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you, or your phone, or your iPad, or your watch, whatever you got a Bible on. We have made our way through the book of Revelation, and we did so trying to the very best we could to understand just exactly what this revelation is all about. And I hope that we have helped you understand that if you want to understand revelation, you read the first verse of the first chapter. And it begins like this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the book's about. It's all about Christ. It's all about what Christ is going to do through the tribulation all the way to the end. We have brought ourselves from chapter 4 when the rapture takes place. After these things, the church has ended. The church has been taken out. The church has been raptured. It's already in heaven. And then those who are left behind during that time... They deal with the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all that goes on during what is known as the tribulation period. <clears throat> the Antichrist will make his way through the world, and he will be the dictator over the world. And it will all come to, to pass when he goes to Jerusalem, and he puts himself in the temple... And he dies, he comes back to life, and they set up an image in the temple. That is the abomination of desolation that Jesus talks about, that Daniel talked about. That abomination of desolation begins the great tribulation. The last three and a half years of that tribulation is something that man cannot really understand. We've come through the tribulation. We saw the Antichrist, the false prophet, snatched up, cast into the lake of fire. Last week we came to the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ. In that thousand-year reign, Jesus will rule over this world, and Jesus will uh, bring to this earth a utopia like it's never felt before. After the thousand years, Satan will be released. He will gather an army. To prove to us that uh, man is not affected just by the temptations of Satan because basically Satan is, is confined to the abyss. It's our heart. It's our nature. We turn against Christ. Satan gathers them up. God destroys the army. He takes Satan and he casts him into the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment takes place where everyone who has rejected Christ throughout all eternity, will be brought before the great white throne. The sea gave up the dead. All of the graves came open. Everyone that was about Christ will stand at the great white throne judgment. They will be opened, there will be open books. The works that they did don't measure up to what Jesus did. And because they refused Christ, they will be cast into the lake of fire that we know of as hell. <clears throat> that's, that's the synopsis. I really thought 
and I think most of y'all did too, that when we got to chapter 21, we're just going to sail through this thing. Because we're about to enter in to what we refer to as heaven. We are going to see just exactly what this place is called heaven. The more I read about this, the more that I wanted to take it apart and to see just exactly what it said, that's hard to do. And if you'll notice the message title this morning, my apologies to Bart Millard, but folks, there is no way that you and I can describe this place called heaven. There's no way that we can get a good picture of that and we can only imagine what it's going to be like. So I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. I want you to, to put your mind and focus it on just exactly what God is saying here in chapter 21. You know, I, I began to think back, and you know the Apostle Paul couldn't describe it. Paul said, I knew a man, whether in the Spirit or without the Spirit, and he went up into the third heaven, but he never told us anything about it. And that, that was the passage where Paul said, I have a thorn in the flesh. Because of what has happened. And Paul said, I, I can't even describe it. Abraham is described in the book of Hebrews as one looking for a city whose foundation has been built by God. We read about Jesus as the foundation in 1 Corinthians 3. I can't imagine those foundations. I can't imagine the foundation is there, one that has been built by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we read the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, As it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And yet in Colossians chapter 3, Paul said, Set your affection, set your mind, set your love on the things which are above. Okay? Now we, we focus our minds on heaven. And we think about heaven, but sometimes, you know, and, and people will say, there is no heaven. All that is is just a, a figment of your imagination. And, and years ago, they used to call it uh, that pie in the sky by and by when you die. You remember that? Well, I like what Adrian Rogers said. Once somebody said that uh, to him, he said, uh, he told him, said, heaven is just pie in the sky. And Adrian Rogers looked at him and he said, well, Brother, I love pie. <laughs> and I do too. But I got news for you. And this is, this is the truth, okay? I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not preaching. I'm telling you the truth. The truth is, there is a place called heaven. The truth is, the only way we can get there is by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. The only way that you and I will ever enter the doors of heaven is that we trust Christ and we receive Him as our Savior. John has just seen hell. He has seen judgment and he has seen the great white throne. Now let me ask you a question before I get into this. Aren't you glad Revelation does not end at chapter 20? Look at the last verse of chapter 20, verse 15. 
Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What if that was it? What if it ended right there? John has looked up and he said, there, here is this place called hell. I see the fire. The judgment has happened. I've watched this great white throne as the, the judge, Jesus Christ himself, sits upon the throne. And now I see this place that, that is filled with fire and brimstone. He's seen the reality of what takes place of those that reject Christ. And then he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Some, some translations say, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Some translations say, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. King James says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That doesn't matter. What matters is, all of a sudden, this place called hell is out of his vision. And now he sees a new heaven and a new earth. We can only imagine. We can only imagine what John was seeing. And we can only imagine when you and I think about, I'm going to heaven someday. What are you going to do? We've got some that are going to sit on the clouds and fish. We've got some that are going to take a harp and they're going to play it. We've got some that are going to be cloud potatoes and just lay around. Did y'all get that joke? Not couch potato, cloud potato. Now smile. Okay, I'll give up on that. I'm going to show you in just a minute, folks. This place called heaven is not a place where you're going to sit around. I often wondered when I was younger growing up, what's it going to be like? It's going to be boring. There's no TV. I'm sure they'd be playing football, but there's no TV. In heaven. What are we going to do? Well, let's see what the scripture says. Let's understand a little bit about what this place called heaven is and see if we can imagine. And I want you to begin with me in verse 1 as we see a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to kind of go down these scriptures and see what he's saying to us. But look at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. How many of you like the smell of a new car? You know, every once in a while, when I'm not doing anything, you just want to stop by. And this guy say, can I help you? And I said, no, I'm just smelling. And you open the door and you smell. And you shut the door and, and you go on about your way. There's just something about that smell. Especially if you find one that's got leather seats in it. And it's got all these gadgets. One of these days I'm going to find a Cadillac place. I'm going to go sit in one. And sit there and smell it. 
I can't afford it, but I'm going to smell it. Now, we love something like that, but can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get a sniff of heaven? Look at what he says here. He said, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. The first had passed away. The holy city came down, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. If you go back to John chapter 14, you remember what Jesus said? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. My dear friend, this place called heaven is where Jesus has prepared a place for us. Now, Right now, we refer to it as heaven, and we point upward. But let's see what John has seen as God reveals to him what this is all about. John sees what has been described as that which has burned and melted. Now, turn the pages over for just a little bit to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Okay? It's the last chapter of the book in, in, in Peter. It's right before 1 John. Don't turn over there too far. You'll miss it. Okay? 2 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all conversation and godliness? Now, if you knew that everything about you was going to burn and melt, folks, it makes us understand. It makes a difference how we live. Okay? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, a new earth, where dwelleth righteousness. What is Peter saying to us? And what does that say to us about this place called heaven? Basically, what it's saying to us is this, and I'm going to show you this in just a minute. But it is saying to us that this earth, And the heavens are going to be cleansed. They are going to be purged. There will be no more sin. And it will all be taken away. God is going to burn away all of the dross and take all of that out and bring to us something brand new. Nothing else wicked. All the wickedness will be destroyed. But this earth is going to be rejuvenated. All of heaven. Everything above us. You know, people talk about all that junk that's up in space. And I I heard somebody talking about how much uh, tonnage that was that's just floating around up there in space. We don't need that. God's going to get rid of it. God's going to cleanse all of that that out. He's going to clean that up. He's going to take this earth and he is going to clean it up. He's going to purge it. And he is going to bring to us a place where we can live, where all the, when, we, when we look up into the sky where all the planets are and everything that we see around us, and we know that God lives even beyond that, he's going to purge all of that and clean all of that up, and he will restore our home. Because did you hear what he said? It will be where righteousness dwells, where God dwells. 
where you and I dwell with God. It's a prepared place, and He does it with fire. But the purging is not going to be an annihilation. The words never mean that. The purging is going to be what we would say as a renovation. The Scripture calls it a regeneration. Let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28. Verily I say unto you that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, you shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's the end of this. But He says you have followed me in the regeneration. That is the renovation, the renewal of this thing called earth. In Matthew 28 and verse 20, you read the very last verse of Matthew, and, and, and Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. There are three words that are used for the word world. There's the word G, G-E, and that, that stands for this, this dirt. All of this is where we get uh, geology and geography. It comes from, from that word. Then there is the word cosmos, and cosmos is where we get our word cosmetic. Cosmos means the adornment of everything that's, that's on here. All right, all the people and everything there is around us. As we come, as we listen to what Jesus is saying here to us, here is this earth, this, this world that, that God has given to us. And he says it's going to be at the end of the order of this world. The end of the order, everything that's gone on, it will come to an end. But John says that it is, it is, going, to be, it is going to pass away in verse 1. Now what that means is, is that there, it doesn't mean extinction. It doesn't mean annihilation. It means in kind. It's going to move from this order to this order in the very same kind. The heaven, the earth is going to be reborn. That's that regeneration. And that's what Jesus said. It's what he called, said to us, that we must be born again. This earth, according to Romans chapter 8, is going to be reborn. It's, it's clamoring now to be set free from the sin of this world. The animals. The animals, are, are, they fight each other. The animals that attack individuals and they attack uh, people and, 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 and each other. All of that is, is going to all be gone. The animals are crying for this regeneration. And one of these days, all of that is going to come to an end, and it's going to be a rebirth and a new order. John said there's no more sea. No more sea. And, you know, John was out on the Isle of Patmos. He lo he's looking across the Aegean Sea, and he sees his place called Ephesus. That's where he was pastor. And I'm sure that he can look across and he can see the city. And his heart longs to be with his people. And, and telling them the gospel and, and sharing with them about what Jesus is doing. But he's separated by that sea. We can read about the sea in the first part of Revelation. But it really I think what he's talking about here is that there's, there's not going to be any more separation. There's not going to be any more, now listen, there's not going to be any more separation from God. You ready? There's not going to be any more separation from those you love. Right now we're separated. 
moms, dads, husbands, wives, children, all those little aborted babies, they're in the hand of God. God's got every one of them. They talk about, well, there's been 60 million. I guarantee you there's 60 million babies that are in heaven today. 60 million. God, God's got to get them in his hand. And God is going to bring us all together. We'll never be separated again. You think about your loved ones and, and you think about, oh, how we miss them. And I understand that. But we will never, ever, no, not ever be separated again from God or our loved ones because God has made a place for us. In the city of God. The one that he has prepared. Notice what John said. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. First heaven, first earth passed away. John saw the holy city. New Jerusalem. Coming down from God. Out of heaven. As a bride. Prepared as a bride adorned. For her husband. I think this goes back to what he's talked about when he talked about uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it reminds us, just as a bride prepares, you know, when, when somebody gets married and you got these old boys, all they do is we send them right back there and they just put their britches on and their coat on and don't know how to put a tie on and then they just stand there. And a girl will spend all day long, all day long getting ready, all day long getting prepared. And they can't see her. Keep them shut off from the world until they come all the way down through here. And then they open that door back there. And then the song begins to play and everybody stands up. And here comes the beauty of the bride as she's prepared ourselves. When you and I accept Jesus as our Savior and we become a part of that church that belongs to Him. And when Jesus calls for us, we will enter into His presence because we have prepared ourselves by accepting Him as our Savior. And He is the Savior that receives us. But where do we come? Notice this. The new Jerusalem is coming down. He's coming down where God is. He's bringing it down where? He's going to set it on this earth. Brand new. Prepared for us. He's going to set us down here on a new earth. And it's called the holy city. Jerusalem. This is where Jesus will reign for eternity in this new Jerusalem where we will be. And I heard a great voice, verse 3 says, out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now notice what's there that we can see and we can understand. The tabernacle of God is with men. Now that, that's a word that means a tent. That, that you can put up a tent. The tabernacle of God is with men. He's bringing down the tabernacle of the wilderness. He's bringing down the temple that comes in. But it's not a building. It's where God will dwell. And He will dwell with them. That means He's going to stay with them. And be a part of them forever and ever and ever. And notice what He does when He gets here. The new Jerusalem comes down. God has come to dwell among us. And be our God. We are His people. But then there He's going to take out that thing which is not new. Verse 4. We all like this. God will wipe away all the tears from their eyes. All the tears. Now you know I got to reading this. And I've, I've preached this. I've, I've gone over this. I've used this time and again. God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. And then I get down here. And it says, there be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. And, and I've, I've watched people cry. 
I've watched people in sorrow and sadness. I've watched people hurting. And the tears flow. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When God reaches down and wipes away your tears, He's wiped away death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Gone. It's gone because the tears are gone. The tears are gone. We don't have to fool with this, with this sorrow and this sadness that, that becomes a part of us. All of that now has been taken away from us. Nothing to want, no one to mourn over. We're all together with him. And then you notice what he said. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Right for these words are true and faithful. What God said is, Trust me. Everything I've made is brand new. And then in verse 6 he said, It is done. What's done? Everything from verse 1 to verse 5. It's done. I am the Alpha. I'm the beginning. Before there was a beginning, I'm the beginning of everything that's there. Anything that is, is, has a purpose, I'm the beginning of. But I'm the Omega. I'm the end. That's the Greek alphabet. The beginning. The end. And I am the end. I am the one with the purpose. And I give unto them that thirst the fountain of the water of life freely. In other words, he's going to bestow his grace upon us as his heirs. Take and drink and God will give to us. But then he puts a little interlude in here. In verse 8, here we are describing heaven. And then all of a sudden he said, all of this is going to take place. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, he said. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. That being heirs with him. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars, they're not going to be here. They'll have their place in the lake of fire, which is the second death. I can almost imagine that we come back to the tribulation when people, instead of crying out and saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Dear God, help me through this. They cried and said, Let the rocks and the mountains fall on me. You coward. You unbeliever. You turn your back on God when God's the only one that can save you. And you say, but preacher, I'm not facing that. You're not now. But if you don't accept Christ and Jesus raptures the church out, you will face it. Pride has kept so many people from walking this aisle and saying, I need Jesus. Holding on and saying, I can do it later, later. There is no later. Today is the day of salvation. Unbelieving. No faith, not trusting in God. The abominable, that means the vile and the wicked people. The murderers, we know what they're talking about. Whoremongers, sexually immoral people. Sorcerers, magic, the arts. We get our word, uh, the, the Greek word for that is pharmakos. Guess what word comes from that? Pharmacy. Pharmakos. All of these, this magical stuff that they do, the drugs, all of the things that we use to try to make everything better, the idolaters who turn their back on God, and liars, lying to themselves, lying to their families, lying to anyone that will stand and listen to them. All of them will be excluded from this. Nothing that defiles. 
will be in heaven. The new heaven, a new earth, regenerated, brand new, cleansed. Look at the new Jerusalem, verse 9. <clears throat> and there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride and the lamb's wife. And he carried me away into the, in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, coming from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereupon, were the, which the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, the north three gates, the south three gates, and the west three gates. Twelve gates. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The holy city descends and comes down. God brings this holy city down to us. As it comes, God comes to live with us. All of us and our loved ones will be together on this earth in the new Jerusalem. Here is this angel, a part of the seven seals that were, or part of the seven vials that were poured out that brought an end to all of this. He comes and he gets John and he says, come and go with me and I'll show you. The bride is the lamb's wife. And he took him to a high mountain. We'll show you why here in just a minute. The Spirit transports him. So John looks around. He continues the description of what he described in verse 1. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and a new heaven and a new earth had come. Verse 11. We are going to live in the Shekinah glory of God forever and ever. We can't see it now. You and I cannot look into the face of God. And God makes it plain to us, you don't look in my face and live. But the day will come when because we are in a spiritual body, because we are at one with Him, that we will look into the face of God and we will see Jesus and we will see the Shekinah glory of God that shines brighter than anything that exists in our world today. The glory of God, we shall live in the midst of all of that, in His presence forever. Then notice, there's most precious stones. And then there are, there's a wall with 12 gates, an angel at each gate, but a name written on those 12 gates, the tribes of the children of Israel. The Old Testament is represented there. And then we got the foundations. The foundation is none other than Jesus Christ. And he builds that on the gospel that has been given through the apostles that God sent out to do his work. Now, there's always somebody that wants to jump up and say, well, Judas isn't going to be there. Is Paul going to be there? Is Malchus going to be there? And I've got, I've got an answer for you. Three words. We don't know. i tell you what. When you get there, go find out. Until then, don't worry about it. There are 12 names on 12 foundations. Now, some people say that it's one foundation, and there's a foundation here, and then here, and here, and here, and makes 12. Most believe that it is, it is a stackable foundation. Now, one thing I'm not going to do. Now, you can read this uh, from verse 18 down to verse uh, 21. 
Because, folks, I, have, I read for an hour about the color of these stones. And they're all different colors. Jasper. You know, most of the time we think of jasper as something dark or green or whatever it might be. And then, then he says it's pure, pure, clear. I don't understand. I don't understand all of these, but they're all different colors. And I, I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I thought, you know, the best thing for me to do is leave that alone. Just understand this. That is going to be the most beautiful sight that you'll ever see. But can you imagine? Here is the new Jerusalem on 12 foundations. All of them, the apostles, are written there. The apostles are there. Each gate has the name of the tribes of Israel. See where I'm going? You remember back in the very beginning when the 24 elders, and I told you at that time that the 24 elders speaks of all the redeemed of all of mankind that gathers in the presence of God. Folks, you're going to see all of the, tri the tribes, those who are a part of God and His faith, their faith and trust in Him. You're going to see all of the New Testament in the New Covenant, and we are going to come together as one people. We're going to be together. The 24 elders that praise God are those that gather at the throne of God. And we're going to be there with Him. But now beginning in verse 15, He measures the city. Let's look at it for a moment. And He talked with me and had a golden reed to measure the city. And the gates thereof and the wall thereof. The city lies four square. The length is as large as the breadth. And He measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And He measured the wall thereof, 140 and 4 cubits, according to the measure of a man, what is of, that is the, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. You read them, pronounce it like you want to. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. John describes this city, this new Jerusalem. It's a square, but more than that, it's a cubic square. <coughs> a cubic square. Can you imagine? 12,000 furlongs is somewhere around 1,500 miles. Now, I looked that up. If you come up the east coast from Miami, Florida, which is down at the bottom of Florida, you would drive to Concord, New Hampshire to reach 1,500 miles. From Dallas to New York City, if you wanted to drive that, and why you'd want to go to New York City, I have no idea. But from Dallas to New York City, it's close to 1,500 miles. So you want to get that perspective? So here we go. This way is 1,500 miles. This way is 1,500 miles. This way is 1,500. And this way is 1,500. 1,500 square. Cubed. And it says here that in, in verse uh, 12, it's, it's approximately 1,500 miles long. In verse 17, it says 144 cubits but the niv is is probably correct when it says it's 144 cubits thick 
Now, some, some think that, that, that the wall is just 144 cubits. Now, if you've got something that's, that, that's big, 144 cubit size wall isn't going to hold it. And it makes more sense to say it's 144 cubits thick. And the walls come up. Now, how it's built, I don't know. But I do know this. Anybody that's afraid of heights, you're going to be on the top floor. Okay? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you see it? I can't imagine something like that. I can't see something like that. The city, the jewels, the beauty that surrounds it. I can't imagine that. The foundations, those gates of pearl. And we're going to read again where you can walk in and walk out because there's nothing to stop you. There's no sin. There's no uh, wickedness that, that comes in or out. They never have to be closed. The pearl. And of course, all of us understand, and we've heard this for years, a pearl is only developed through excruciating pain. And because of that, the pain that goes on, that, that, that it becomes a pearl, and, and that, that oyster will cover that pearl. And, and it's such a beautiful thing. But every time we walk in and pass the gates, as I've heard others say, every time you walk past that pearl, you're going to remember, Jesus died for you. Jesus paid for your sin. If it wasn't for the cross, you wouldn't have salvation. You wouldn't be here. Jesus paid it all. That's the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth. But look at verse 22, and then I'm going to close it. He said, I didn't see a temple. Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. See? He's the Holy of Holies, is what it said. We worship continually because He is the temple. And we'll worship Him. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. He's the light for all of eternity. Didn't Jesus say, I'm the light of the world? He is the light for all eternity. Nothing is going to corrupt it. Nothing's ever going to come in, and the light will continue to shine forever and ever. Verse 24, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. Nations walk in the light. The glory and honor of the new Jerusalem belong to God. Only those written in the book of life are going to pass through the gates. Only whose name is written there. That's what they did in Jesus' day and in the Old Testament time. If you lived in a city, your name was there. If you did something wrong and they cast you out, your name was blotted out. When we accept Christ as our Savior, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life that brings us life to Him. Verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of all nations into it. Now those two verses, 24 and 26, not really sure what all of that is talking about, about the nations and, and the kings that, that bring theirs in. There are some that believe that the part of the millennium uh, that, that was built during the time of Jesus continues. And there are those outside of that new Jerusalem that will come in and out. But no one that is a part uh, of wickedness is able to come in. We don't understand all of that. Don't understand everything that's going on. So just understand that we have this new Jerusalem and God's going to be glorified in it. 
And then in verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. We are going to constantly worship God. We are going to sit on thrones that God puts us on, that places us there, some, to be no more problems, and we'll be there with Him. Now, I had to stop right there, number one, because it's the end of the chapter, number two, because I'm out of time, number three, this continues into chapter 22, the first few verses of chapter 22. And we'll see the rest of what he's saying here. As we see this river that flows. We see the trees that grow and feed us and, and water us. Clean, uh, taking care of our thirst. As we move into that time when Jesus is going to come again. Folks, I can only imagine what heaven is all about. And I'm going to tell you something. There's no way in these 30 some odd minutes that I've been talking to you that I could describe what heaven's about. There's no way. Here's what I know. God's going to make everything new. God's going to dwell with me. I'm going to be there for eternity. And God's going to wipe all the tears away. And forever and ever and ever, I'll walk with Him. I'll walk with my wife. I'll walk with my children. I'll walk with my family. I'll walk with you. And we'll be together forever. Thank God for a place called heaven. Are you sure you're going there? Have you ever accepted Jesus as your Savior? Not joining a church. I keep telling you that. You can't join a church. You can't go through a ritual. You've got to confess your sin. And I can show it to you in the scripture. Confess your sin. Believe that he died for you and rose again. In faith, ask him to come into your heart. I believe that. And I'm praying for you to save me. And he will save you today. This is the day of salvation. Don't leave here. Because there is no tomorrow. Are you sure? Make it sure right now. We can only imagine what Jesus is going to do. Let's pray together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm asking you to open your heart in faith, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I do this every Sunday. I'm going to lead you in this prayer and ask you that in faith that you will say yes to Jesus so that you can say, I can only imagine what awaits me now. You want to ask Jesus into your heart, you pray with me this prayer. Dear Father, I know I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord Jesus. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For saving my soul. If you pray that prayer. I want you to get up from where you are. I want you to come meet me right here. I want to talk to you. I want to share with you. About what you've done. 
you want to pray that prayer and you didn't, come down here. Let's pray that prayer together. You need a church home by letter, by statement for baptism. God has brought you here for that. Come down here. Let's get those things straight and let's begin to serve the Lord and honor Him in everything that we do. As God is speaking to your heart, God is burdening your heart, you come here. We will lay it at the throne together. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this invitation. May you be glorified. May our hearts be changed. Give us the boldness and the victory to step out and say yes to Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. As we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come to Jesus right now. Step out. Come.